On this episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror, we are talking about a Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Scott Spiegel collaboration. And no, it's none of the Evil Deads. We're talking about 1989's Intruder. Whoa, baby. There we go. The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our August episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. I, of course, as always, am Anya. I'm Alex. I can't fucking believe the summer is already almost over. I can can you? Know. Wow. When you said August, I was like, <clears throat> what? I know. I Insane. Know. I'm just like, I mean, I feel this way it doesn't have anything to do with the summer, but I'm always just like, and what have I accomplished in this time? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Between uh, last episode and this episode, what have I done? Zilch. Well, you've read 19 books this year, so I'm going to give you that. I have read 19 books this year. For those of you who follow my personal Instagram and are keeping up, Christine was the latest. We're going to have to have, honestly, another Stephen King episode with Elizabeth at some point to I mean, catch I, up again with whatever we've covered since then. Yeah, there's so much to cover. Anyways, um, but Alex, you picked the movie this month and you picked uh, Intruder. I sure fucking did. I um, I was really wanting to do, because so far this season we've done a 70s movie with Squirm, an yeah. 80s movie with Sleepaway Camp 3, and then a 2000s film with Cabin Fever. So I was like, I really want to do a 90s movie. And I also want to try to switch up the like little subgenre. And even though Sleepaway Camp 3 is a slasher, I wanted to do another slasher because the last two haven't, have been more like, you know, infest infection and creature feature type things. I wanted to... Go back to the human horror. Um, and I struggled. Uh, so 89 is close enough, in my opinion. I was going to say, I was like, I don't think mm, this is 90, it's but not, it's close. Yeah. But I just watched this um, kind of randomly because it's been on my shutter list for a while, um, a week and a half ago maybe. And I really had a good time with it. I enjoyed it. And I kept thinking about it, and it was just in the back of my head. And then I was like, I need to pick an episode, a, a movie for this episode. Fuck it. I really liked Intruder. I think there's a lot to talk about. So... Now I've officially watched it twice in two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Um, if I better understand the movie and really, I really better know it. Because if I don't, then it's a bad look. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's how my brain works. This is an interesting pick um, because I actually watched this last year, this or this past year, uh, for Halloween. Um, every year for Halloween, I like, I mean... I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. Like, Halloween is so important to me. It's the most important thing in the entire world. Um, and, like, my dream for my life is to, like, someday be rich enough to have a Gatsby-esque <clears throat> mansion solely <laughs> so I can throw a Gatsby-style party, but a Halloween party. Hell yeah. Like, so the Halloween equivalent. Um, I will someday, y'all. But until then, I have to settle for, like, whatever I can do. And I feel like every year I'm always like, I'm going to do, like, a Halloween get-together this year. And every year I'm, like, disappointed. Simply because, like, for the most part, it's like I don't live in a huge apartment or anything like that. I don't really have the space to host that. Sometimes it is because motherfuckers piss me off. I'm easily pissed off. Anyways, I'll just say, this past Halloween, I was like, okay, we're going to hang out. We're going to have snacks, whatever. And I saw this movie, Intruder. And I was like, the poster looks really fun. It's like 88 minutes. Love that. Apparently Sam Raimi's in it. This sounds like a great. And it's like takes place in a supermarket. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes. Um, and we put it on. And it wasn't even a huge group of us. But it's one of those things where it's like, this in general, I think it's hard when you're like, we're all going to do a first watch when we're at like a Halloween party all hanging out. Like already the attention spans are going to kind of be like, scattered mm -hmm. but then on top of that which we'll get into when we talk about the movie but like 
specifically this movie and the way that it is paced, I don't think benefited from like, ha like kind of half watching. So I watched it and even on the first watch, I was very impressed with a lot of like the shots and stuff like that that they do in the film. I thought they were a lot of fun, but like, I was like, meh. Mm -hmm. um, so I, and then I saw you watched it most recently and I did have a moment where I was like, oh, she watched Intruder again because in my head, because you visited me last October, I was like, oh, Alex was with me on Halloween, which if only. I wish. Not the, I know. Um, and yeah, and then you picked it and I was very happy to revisit it. I will say, without spoiling anything, I did appreciate it more okay, on a rewatch. Um, but yeah, so this was my second time watching it as well. Much more spaced out than your um, yes. <laughs> two watches for sure. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, I think I kind of had the same experience both times because it was so close together. So I'm glad that you know, you've had two separate experiences now, and it's always good when the second one is a better experience. Yeah, I love that. Um, so yeah, you want to just jump right on in? Yeah, so yeah. should I give a, a synopsis? Yeah, I guess um, we'll say from this point on, because I know in my, my fun facts, I'm definitely going to be doing some spoilery stuff, so yeah. just, you know, per usual, spoiler warning, if you haven't watched it and you want to watch it, it is streaming on Shudder if you have an account, and it is also streaming on Tubi. I think it's also maybe on a few other of those, like, random, like, free ones, like Pluto. Yes, Hulu. I think you're right. And if you have an Aero subscription, it's also on Aero. Oh, wonderful. So it is readily available for y'all with and without ads. It is a movie um, that I would say is honestly very underknown and underseen. So yeah, I am very surprised it's on so many platforms. That's great. I'm not surprised it's on – actually, to be clear, I feel like Shudder and Aero, specifically Arrow, is pretty good at getting, like – very like hidden yeah. gem type shit and then we talk about it a lot but tubi is truly the place to be like tubi will have a fuckload of garbage on it but it will also have like every horror movie you can have never found and you're like mm -hmm. oh, it's on tubi anyways um for the synops of this movie as alex hinted at it is a slasher um it takes place at a grocery store uh at night it is the closing crew of the grocery store so it's past like shopping hours really um it's, like, unclear if they're, like, actually open. doesn't really matter. Um, uh, there's no yeah. one in the store other than the employees. Um, they're closing, and one of the female employees, her, like, ex-boyfriend and an ex-coworker of everybody comes in, and, of course, he's, like, a bad dude. He, like, is pissed at her because she won't get back together with him, yada, yada, yada. And a fight ensues, and they throw him out. And it, it seems to us as an audience that he is disgruntled as fuck. So as the night goes on, and people start dying we're led to believe that this disgruntled boyfriend is killing off the uh, members of this supermarket team who are also in a very sad state because they just found out from their two co-owners of the supermarket that they're selling the supermarket even though one of them doesn't want to um and pretty much then the movie ensues with you know the co-workers slash friends like having little moments together and then like getting slashed in different supermarket ways all to culminate in the end when there's of course one remaining final girl left um she thinks she's, like, knocked out the killer, her ex-boyfriend. But who appears but one of the co-owners that we thought was dead. He's like, don't worry, I'm going to call the police. Only to find out that he's been the one killing everybody because he didn't want to sell the supermarket. He's fucking deranged. Um, and then, of course, there's the final, like, she's fighting for her life at the end with a very twisted and unfortunate ending for her and her ex-boyfriend who comes to because they get all the murders pinned on them as the store owner dies his final breath telling the police that they did it all. And that is Intruder. Yeah, that's a great little synopsis. Good job, girl. Thank you, thank you. All right, well, so much to talk about. Let's see. 
Um, well, just some, I like to go through just like the basic things. Like I already said, this was released in 1989. Um, for a long time, it was released as an R-rated version, which I'll get into, but the version that we watched on Shudder is unrated, and mm-hmm. it is an hour, 23 minutes, which is nice and short, and I love it. Mm-hmm. This was written and directed by Scott Spiegel, who is best known for being one of the co-writers of Evil Dead 2, along with Sam Raimi. Um, mm-hmm. And the story is by a man named Lawrence Bender, and this is actually his only writing credit on IMDb, but he's like a very big producer. He's produced most of Tarantino's films. Um, from what I remember looking at, I think he pretty much produced everything that Tarantino made from Reservoir Dogs up until Gl- Inglorious Bastards. Um, nice. with maybe missing like death proof maybe I don't think I saw death proof in there but pretty much everything in that like time of uh, Tarantino filmography he's produced so he's a pretty big name in that like section but this is the only thing he's ever had a writing credit on so that that was really interesting um, the budget was an estimated $130,000 which is teeny teeny tiny mm-hmm. um, and I think honestly the practical effects that they got for that budget Incredibly impressive. I'm, I'm not surprised considering it is essentially the Evil Dead team who made this film. But yeah. Yeah. Very, very impressive for such a small budget. Um, as I mentioned, it was originally edited down to be an R rating, which cut out a lot of the kills and the effects that we get in this new unrated version. So because of that, it didn't really get a super, you know, positive review from just like critics and audiences. It was like kind of like, eh, whatever. But over the last few years, or a few years ago, they released the unrated version, which is now the one that is always streaming on services. It's pretty much like replaced the R-rated version, mm-hmm. and people are starting to appreciate it more. It's kind of like slowly becoming more upfront in like horror, you know, people's well, minds. Well, I can see why. I mean, if you're cutting out most of, if not all, of the gore, like, once again, we'll get into the meat of this when we start talking about it past the fun facts, but like... What what is there going on? With, yeah, it's just like that? friends hanging out and working. Otherwise, like yeah, I would. It would. It's no shock to me that I would be like, yeah, bored to fucking tears. I'd be like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Like, give me some heads rolling. Yeah, because there's some really good gore in this, and I mean, oh, for I, sure. I personally think that all of the kills are in their own way really creative and fun and cool. So I yeah, I think cutting all of that out is a disservice to the film. For sure, yeah. so I'm glad that the unrated version is available, and that's the one that we originally saw, because if we'd watched this maybe like five years ago, we probably would have seen the edited version, and we wouldn't have liked it, so. I know. If you have you seen make... it out there, and you haven't seen the unrated version, check it out, because it's going to be a different experience. Yeah. Um, did you make note of who was on the special effects team? I did not. Greg Nicotero. Oh, was he? The Walking Dead fan. Yes. Yep. Ah, he's big. He's a big name. Oh, I did not know. Th- I did not come across that in any Which of my research. Which is, of course, why I was like, yeah, that's why that shit looks that fucking good. That checks out. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I'm not surprised, honestly. Yeah. Um, this was filmed entirely in an actual grocery store overnight yeah, uh, yeah. in California. Obviously. I mean, yeah. It looks Wait, very Wait, I need to, authentic. like, write that down to remind myself so I can look it up later and see if I can visit the grocery store. I'm it's on sure. IMDb. I'm sure you can. Uh, Great. Well, the, the city in California, at least, is listed on there. You can narrow it down. Right. <laughs> I'm literally write it down. I will be looking that up. I love that. Um, this film obviously heavily marketed its three biggest names, which were Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, and Ted Raimi, as the stars of this movie, which I find problematic because, you know, do not promote somebody and act like they are going to be the lead role 
just to get people's butts in the seats. I don't like that personally. Yeah. Um, I, I got mean, so yeah. mad when we had the movie Suffragette at the theater and we had this huge ass standee in the lobby and it was Carrie Mulligan, Meryl Streep, and I, I cannot remember the actress's name now, but she used to be married to James McAvoy. She's a British actress. And Meryl Streep is like front and center, huge. And then I saw that movie after a shift and she was in one scene for five minutes. And I was like, fuck off. This is not yeah. her movie. I mean, in a general sense, like, yes, that is annoying. It is one of those things though where it's like, it's not specific to this, like, crew of people or whatever. Like, they will do that for any kind of movie. If they yeah. think, like, I have, whether it's something like this, even, like, a low-budget kind of, like, horror movie, they're like, but we have these, like, like horror staples in mm-hmm. it. So the horror community will come out for them, even if they're not it's the true. biggest yeah. parts in it. Um, I mean, girl, listen, I get it. Fucking um, Pedro Pascal in um, Kingsman 2, awful fucking movie. Um, we definitely talked about the first one, I feel like, at one point on here, mm-hmm. um, which I want to talk to you about again. Mm-mm. But that shit, I might have even said this before on this podcast, and I'll bring it up again. That motherfucker is on, like, zero promotional fucking posters, like, nothing. Who's fucking front and center? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum, spoiler, like, is, like, knocked out fucking cold, like, in a coma on ice for the whole movie. <laughs> you don't even see him. Pedro Scala is carrying that movie on his fucking back. No fucking anything it's bullshit i mean yes i think that you're right in this context it does make a lot of sense that like this is an incredibly small budget film i'm sure the distribution was very small at the time so like yes having these big names that people will know and recognize as big names in horror are going to get people to see your film i get that i just think yeah in a general sense i don't love it maybe yeah, well, more, maybe more so like just for commercial films. shine yeah like yeah. like especially these exactly. like, lesser known actresses like not to be like anyone put in more work than somebody else. Because someone could have less days on set, less screen time, and debatably do more fucking work if the mm-hmm. other person isn't pulling, whatever. But yeah, if someone is just like, you're the lead of the movie, it would be like, yeah, well, I would like like my name to be like starring me because it is yeah. starring me. But Especially because the female lead is, um, she was in Night of the Creeps. And mm-hmm. the other female in the film is Renee Estevez, who is an Estevez. And also she was the, she was Meg in Sleepaway Camp 2. And she was in Heathers. Oh, yeah. She she's was. Like so, yeah. We, I feel like I also said that in Sleepaway Camp 2 episode where I was like, she's uh, Veronica's like ex-friend. Yeah. So like it's not like everybody else had not been in anything, but whatever. I digress. The whole point of that is just that like Sam Raimi, I would say arguably of the three has the biggest role. Um, and if you want to even like said Sam and Ted both are members of the crew in the film. So like it yeah. makes sense. Bruce Campbell literally has two lines at the very end of the movie as a police officer and if you're not paying attention you won't even catch that it's bruce campbell well it's bruce campbell doing the like sam raimi directed shit where it's like yeah. sam raimi with the spider-mans where it's like bruce is gonna be in every movie for like two minutes playing a random role which is fun and i was happy to see it here but it is just like starring bruce campbell come on y'all yeah, he's exactly. in the last like two minutes of the movie yes um so yeah that just kind of like ugh, whatever but um Similarly, uh, a lot of the promotional material that was released for this movie, including VHS and DVD covers, posters, and even the trailer, all reveal the identity of the killer. I am baffled by that because... Yeah, you're right, actually, now I think about it. If you look at the poster, you can clearly see that that is Bill, if you really look at it. That's oh, not yeah. Because I thought about that after we watched the movie, because I'd seen the poster, but I like wasn't like inspecting it. I was like, okay. And then the movie we were playing, and this was the first time I watched it. And then at the end, I was like, you know, the twist happens. I was like, oh, okay, blah, blah. And then I remember going on Letterboxd to, like, lock it, and I looked at the poster again. I was like, 
That's literally him on the poster. It's yeah, and the tagline of the movie is also like, he's crazy about his store. And I'm like, then why did you spend the whole movie like deeply building up the suspicion of this ex-boyfriend? And also like every time yeah. you do see the killer, he's sh- like shrouded in shadows and he's like backlit you can't see heavily. him. Yeah. yeah, so I just think it's very interesting that you would market it and kind of just like give that away and ruin the like suspense and tension of your movie. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the poster, but it is it's just a good like, poster. At what cost? You know. Yeah, I just I have a problem in general. Also, just when like trailers show too much of a movie, mm. I want like give me enough that I'm interested, but not fully understanding what even the like premise of the film is. Like Hereditary's trailer, I think is like the blueprint for trailers because you watch that movie and you have no yeah. idea what you're getting yourself into. Nothing is worse. Yes, I agree fully. And nothing is worse when you watch a movie any genre. And the trailer, like, as you said, like... Is better than way, the movie? Like, Promising Young of, Woman? Like, oh my god, girl, we can't even get into that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm screaming. It's... <laughs> like, Promising Young Woman? <laughs> um, it's it's the worst when the trailer, like, has the best bits of the movie. Yeah. Because, of course, like, great, then I'll see those in the movie, and they were great, I would love to see them again. But then, like, every one of those beats you hit, and you're like, right, I saw that in the trailer, and it was good. And you're like, what's the other good stuff, though? Like, what's the stuff you, could, you mm-hmm. didn't show me yet? And you're like... Oh, there isn't any. So I yeah. could have just watched the three-minute trailer and saved my money. Yeah, I've um, gotten to the point where I don't watch awful. trailers for horror anymore because I don't want to be spoiled. I will rarely, like, on Twitter or anything when they're like, the blah, blah, blah trailer just dropped. Unless, like, I have been, like, waiting for this movie or, like, there's an actor in it who I'm, like, obsessed with and I have to see. Like, I will not, like, open it up and watch it. Now, I go to the movies, like, several times a week and I love the trailers. I will get there before they even start playing. I'm a psycho. Um, and in that case, like, I'm like, whatever I see, I see. But yeah, I, I rarely will, like, seek out trailers. I'm like, if I see it, I see it. If I don't, I don't need to. Yeah. I just would rather have the experience watching the movie for the first time. Because I have had that experience too many times where, like, the best parts of the movie are in the trailer. And I'm like, well, I wish I hadn't seen that. There's the trailer for that new movie that's coming out, Smile. They, oh, I know what you're talking about. But I haven't watched the trailer for. Well, it good, yet. don't because they just dropped a new one that Greg watched, and he said the end of the trailer has like this one thing that they do that's super cool and like really, really good effect. And he's like, I fucking wish it wasn't in the trailer. So I'm like actively when we went to the movies, like wasn't looking at it because I don't want to see it. I want to have that moment in theaters. I thought I was going to see it because I know people have been talking, but I thought I was going to see it when I saw Black Phone. I thought we were going to play it, but they it didn't. played for me. It didn't play for you. Nope, dum dums. Anyway, um, okay, so let's see. What's next? Um, so originally this was titled The Night Crew, but was, yeah, was, it was later changed to Intruder because they wanted to give it that, like, one-line slasher kind of title of the 80s. Uh, I personally think The Night Crew is a better name and also makes more sense for the film that we're watching because really at the end of the film, he, the killer is not an intruder. He is an owner of yeah. the grocery store. So, like, if you really think about it, it doesn't make as much sense as the night crew would have made. Also, when you use the word intruder, like, I feel like the first thought is, like, someone is in my house. Yeah. Because also, like, a grocery store, I mean, it is, like, a public place. So you don't think yeah. of someone, in, like, being an intruder in a public space. But whatever. I think the night crew would have been a cool title. Yeah, um, oh, I have a fun um, film technical fun fact for you. Oh, wow. So I'm going to tell you, okay, this was entirely <laughs> shot using short ends. Do you know what short ends are? I don't. Why don't you tell me cool. about I will teach you. Are. I read all about it. 
So basically, when you're filming, if you don't have enough film left in your magazine to mm-hmm. take to like finish the next take that you have, mm-hmm. or if you are like done shooting for the day and you have remaining film left in your magazine, what they do is they cut it so that all the exposed film gets sent for processing, and then mm-hmm. any of the unexposed film that is remaining in your like film reel will get bagged, tagged, and like labeled, and then put aside, and then that's called a short end. So it's basically just like the oh. remainder that you have of your film. So I'm assuming that people would use that if they're like on small budgets, if it's like a student film or something, you know, anything low budget because it's probably cheaper to get smaller short ends of film than like a whole big reel. So this entire movie was shot on short ends, which I think is really interesting. Um, Well, I'm sure because I'm sure based on then like uh, with varying degrees of like length they had for each of these short ends, like that probably played into like like, what are we shooting on certain days? Like, mm-hmm. shorter scenes for shorter ones. That's really interesting. Yeah, and I think, there's, as far as I know, there's not, like, really any long shots, that like, tracking shots or anything where... Not that I can think you know, of. I feel like lo- the longest shot that comes to mind is, like, um, the shot through the telephone, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, probably. Um, but, yeah, wow. Yeah, I thought that was really fun. And I got to learn something about... Uh, yeah, and film. I just learned something, and anyone in our audience that didn't know learned something. Yeah, I love it. Um... It, at one point during pre-production, the director attached was originally Toby Hooper, which, mm, okay. big fucking name. Uh, I'm very curious, you know, I'm always curious when I find that out, like, what would this movie have been like if he had done it? Yeah. Even, but, I don't know, there's something about, like, when you say that, like, my brain was like, I can see that. Like, I don't know what it is about it. Mm-hmm. Because obviously Toby Hooper, like, didn't end up being involved, as far as we know. I don't think he had any involvement um, but there's something about it where I'm like, I feel his essence now in some way. It's funny, too, because when um, Sam Raimi's character, Randy, dies, he gets impaled on a meat hook. And yeah. it, did, it did give me Texas Chainsaw vibes. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, and the last little note I have, I don't really know how this would have worked out. but So the film ends um, with this interesting shot of Jen, who is the lead, who is being arrested by these fucking idiot cops who just assume that she's the killer. And she screams, and the camera moves into her mouth. And then it cuts to black and goes to credits. Originally, the plan for that shot was going to be to have the camera go all the way down her throat into her body and then freeze frame on her heart as it stops beating. Like she just dies of yeah. fright? Yeah, that's why up. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, is she, is she just having a heart attack and dying? Like, it wouldn't have yeah. like really – I think technically it sounds like a really cool idea – but plot-wise, I don't think it really would have made much sense. No. No. But uh, those are the background and fun facts I got for you for Intruder. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. They were indeed fun. Wow. I guess we've, done, we've covered all the basics, so now it's time to yes. get into the meat of this thing. All right. Well, I think for me, there's two elements to this movie that I really enjoy. One of those is obviously the practical effects and the kills, which we will talk, I'm sure, in detail about at some point. And also, I'm sure, in the cue and slay, because like I said Mm -hmm. earlier, I think all the kills are worthwhile and worthy of being talked about. But the other part that I really like is the first half an hour of the movie, because I Hmm. think, and I could see why some people maybe would think it's like poorly paced or like not as interesting, but I'm glad that Scott Spiegel and Sam Raimi took so much time to, oh, not, I'm sorry, Sam Raimi did not write this, um, to establish and kind of develop that 
the friendships, the relationships, and like the community and family that the grocery store crew have together. Because obviously, mm. as you know, we both worked at the theater. We've had that kind of like family yeah. at our job. I mean, you've had it in multiple places, and it's a very special thing. And I, it like warms my heart, and it kind of sets the groundwork, I think, for me to then really care about each of them dying off later on because I can kind of like see myself in in there because those are relationships and environments that I have been in and that I love being in. So I really like the dynamic between all of the, you know, the crew members and all the the fucking white boys who look exactly the same, which is very correct. It's, I mean, literally at the theater, there was a point in time we had like six men that's like, also true, actually. Uh, and they all, all like, looked tall, exactly like white boys with brown hair. All looked exactly the fucking same. Um, yeah, I I think just spending so much time on like developing that adds a lot of weight to the film for me. Okay. Um, I don't disagree with that. Okay. I agree. I'm gonna say, but I don't feel the same way about the first part of the movie. Okay. Um. Because I had seen your Letterboxd review of the first time you watched, which was not that long ago, when you had said about, it reminds you of the Kendall, and I was like, oh, interesting. And then when I rewatched, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Now that I'm, like, fully giving this my full attention, like, I absolutely see that in the dynamics of, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the way that it is, like, this work family. And don't get me wrong, I love that shit, and I love that shit in the movie because, yeah, I have had that at the Kendall. I had that for many years when I was working at, if anyone recalls, FYE, um, like, the pop culture, mm-hmm. I think it's still around some places store. I had that there. Um, and that is something that is very important to me, not because I'm like, oh, I love work and work is my life, but like, if I have to work this like job, it probably like, isn't that great? Like, yeah, I want, if I have to be there a lot, I want to like people. Anyways, so I definitely got that and I did appreciate, and it's kind of similar. It's been, there's been other like horror movies that have done that kind of thing. Like, like giving time. Like I think of like, even like, um, original prom night like prom night does that a little mm-hmm. bit where it's like establishing obviously there's the, the opening with the children and like the incident that then is brought up later but like taking its time with like we see these people who they are their dynamics with each other so that when people get killed like maybe it's more impactful and I don't think there's anything wrong with that um so I fully on board with that for me and I really noted at this time, like, giving us my full attention. The pacing, I'm not going to say it's a poorly paced film. Because it's not overtly like, oh, this is awful. But it is just, like, the pacing is a little off for me. Because, yeah, you open up and you get the inciting incident of, like, the boyfriend coming in and blah, blah. And, like, that works. That creates, like, tension. Like, okay, blah, blah. And then there's, like, a block of time where it's, like, yeah, they're kind of just, like, hanging out again. And, like, the boyfriend's, like, on the periphery. Like, we know he's, like, lurking somewhere in in the store or outside the store. Um, and they're all, like, kind of walking around looking for him while also, like, doing their work. Um, which, granted, great, is, like, giving us time to be, like, with these people and, like, learning about them. But I almost wished I was, like, I feel like you can still do that. But I felt like there was, like, a lack of, like, scares almost. Like, it takes a hot minute. And then I felt like when we do get to the kills, because there was so much time before that where it was, like, no one's really dying. Mm -hmm. That, like, then it's, like this guy's getting killed. And then two seconds later, someone's coming around the corner and they find the body and then they get killed. And then so-and-so comes in a minute later and then they're killed. And the kills, as you said, they're all fantastic. I think they're all great. It is just like, okay, so now we're doing all this right now. So I wish that either they were more interspersed mm-hmm. so we still, so we don't have to kill everyone right away, but like, you know, we can kill off one guy that maybe isn't like as close to everybody else and still give us that time. I think also, I wish it was 
a little funnier. I don't want it to be a horror comedy, but I I believed all of them. I want to say that. I believed all of them as coworkers, so in that sense, it really worked. Like, they talked to me like real people, like real people that know each other, work together, whatever. I don't know. I wouldn't say, like, comedy per se, but almost, like, maybe campiness was what I was looking mm-hmm. for. Like, I wanted, like, a tiny bit more, like, campiness even before we get to the kills. I'm like, okay, fine. If we want to pace it that way, that's fine. But, like, I don't even know how to describe it. But that's how I felt. I, I liked yeah. it more on the second watch. But, like, yeah, I was just, like, it does take us a minute to, like, get to the, like, okay, we're killing people. And then the last thing I'll say, because I'm yammering on, is then after all that pacing, then we get to the final reveal of, like, it's whatever his name is that, like, owns the store. He's doing it. She's in her final girl. Like, I'm going to run for my life. That bit also feels like it runs on a little too long. Like, you know you got to have it. Like, it happens in every movie, Friday the 13th, all of them, where it's, like, last girl, she's going to have her, like, final run with Jason or whatever. But, like, it was just, like, taking a long time because she, like, does that. She finds all the bodies. Okay, fine. Then, like, the boyfriend comes to, then she's outside, then she's calling the police, and then there's the ending where the police show up, and I was just like, damn, this shit will not end, and it's only 88 minutes, like, come on, guys, like, we don't have to keep going. Yeah, I do agree with you. I think, in general, I often find that the third act can drag in a lot of horror, because, like, they do the, like, fake out, oh, we got the killer, and then the killer comes back a lot, and I, yeah, I, I definitely agree that it's maybe, like, 10 minutes too long at the end, like, I don't need it to go on and on and on and on. Um, definitely agree with you on that. Um, and I see what you mean about the first bit. Absolutely. I definitely think they kind of play it straight a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. the dialogue, even like trying to find my favorite line. Yeah, that was what it was. I mean, I found my favorite line and like I really <laughs> love it. Um, but the, yeah, I don't think it's really a funny script. I really don't think the script has any, really any jokes. There's like a couple maybe here or there and maybe they just like don't hit and, like, really don't make an impact. But I think maybe that's what I like about it because it, it isn't trying to be campy and silly. It does feel kind of just genuine and, like, earnest yeah. to me. So I do kind of feel just, like, drawn to it because it feels very genuine. I do also think that they focus way more on creative and, like, unique camera angles and cuts. And I yeah. feel like that's where most of their focus is on that part of the film rather than the script. And I also think that the lead actress, I'm not saying that she's a bad actress, but I think that a lot of her reactions create comedy because they're so over the top. And like, she's, I think that when she's like doing them physically, she's like really meaning it and like trying to act well, but mm-hmm. it's not coming across great to me. It's like very like, oh, over the mm-hmm. top. And so like, I find comedy in that. But I, yeah, I definitely agree. It's it seems like something that would be a horror comedy, especially considering the people that are involved in the film, but I would not consider this a comedy really in any way. Yeah. You know, actually after hearing you talk, I want to rephrase what I said because like, I feel like I couldn't articulate like entirely. Um, and I really do like, as you're saying into a degree, the playing it straight when it comes to like their relationships with each other and Mm -hmm. the way that they're like talking to each other. Like, yeah, I think that added to the effect of like, yes, that this feels like the Kendall, like, Sure, we, we, we'd crack jokes with the Kendall, but, like, we weren't, like, we're acting like we're in a zany slapstick comedy or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more so what I want, and not to say that it was completely devoid of this, but, like, I wish the characters had a little more personality. I yeah, think. I absolutely agree. Because, as you're saying, like, yes, the setup-wise, great. It's giving all that time to be, like, and now you're going to know these characters. And... And when I was thinking that the second I'm going in, and I was like, yes, you know, I'm accepting this this time. I'm, re- I'm letting it in. I was like, okay, so we're getting time with them. 
but I don't really know that I'm, like, getting to know any of them more. Like, I was, like, and obviously for our Q and Slays, like, yeah, as you're saying, like, sure, like, because there's not a lot of, like, ha, ha, ha jokes. Like, the lines were a little hard to pick a favorite quote. But even, like, for a partner in crime, I was, like, I mean, most of these are men, and they're mostly, like, the same guys interchangeable. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, there's, like, moments, like, for some of them, like, having a moment or having, like, one little moment where you're, like, okay, yeah. But, like, there, it's kind of devoid of personality. Even our final girl, she doesn't really have that much of a personality. Her whole thing is, like, she works in this grocery store. Of course, she's a beautiful blonde. And her whole personality is the fact that she is shaken up by her ex-boyfriend who has come and she doesn't want anything to do with him while then simultaneously also trying to get with, like, this other, like, cute boy that she works with. Like, so it's the, unfortunately, tale as well as time for a female character. It's just, like, she is a little bit, like, this prop in, like, she's the damsel in distress because, like, the possible killer is, like, really after her and angry at her. But, like, in the time in between her being upset about that, she's, like, twirling her hair, like, oh, we're going to get caught making out on the rat cash register. (laughs) So, yeah, I wish, especially from her, that we got a little bit more personality. But, yeah, overall, I think that's what my complaint would be. Yeah, I see that. And, I mean, I think that just goes back to what I said, too, with, like, it is literally, like, four or five interchangeable white dudes. Yeah. Like, I would say the fact that Sam Raimi has a very distinct face is the only reason that I knew that that was Randy. Because I'm like, well, that's Sam Raimi. And the same thing with Ted. Ted is also very distinct. So, I'm like, that's Produce Joe. Like, I can tell that those are the Raimi brothers, so I know those characters. But, like, yes. Dave, Tim, and I would say, Bub, uh, is it Bub or Bud? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I would say Bub to a certain degree, yeah. Bub is, like, probably the, of the five men, the one with the most personality and the most, like, cr- like uniqueness to him. Mm-hmm. But, like, Tim, you get nothing. Dave, you get nothing. There was literally a point where I watch, I, anytime I watch a movie for the pod, I watch it with subtitles, which I don't usually do, but I do it because I want to, like, catch the lines, make sure I'm, like, seeing everything. Yeah. And these men are so interchangeable that even the subtitles Shut were the fuck fucked up. up. There was a scene where Sam Raimi's character um, looks in the keyhole and sees the red light and then the ladder falls on him and he yes. screams. And it says, Bub screams. That's Randy. That's not Bub. And then later in a scene where Tim dies, it says first, Randy moans. And then three seconds later it says, Tim groans. And not what? Tim, Bub groans. And I'm like, he's not Randy or Bub, he is Tim. So I'm like, the way that even the people watching the film and doing these captionings could not tell these fucking white men apart. That's actually so funny. Yeah. Wow. Baffling. I was like, because I was trying to figure out like who everyone was. And I was like watching it and it said Randy. And I was like, wait, Sam Raimi is Randy. And then it said Bub. And I was like, Bub is the other guy. And I was like, I'm, who is this man? I'm so confused. Yeah, literally. Who are you? I'm sorry yeah. to this man, but I don't know who you are. Yeah, no, I totally, I think everything that you said is very valid. I, I agree. Um, but I mean, they, they do that part to like really get you so that on the back end, when we get all these fun kills, ooh, the kills. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely the height. As we said, like, there's a lot of fun, like, camera work in here, especially for, like, a low-budget thing, where, like, none of it is, like, how did they do that effect? But it is just, like, it's creative stuff where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's fun that they did that. Um, Like, for, like, there was one, like, it opens up under the grocery store, like, you're in the shopping cart, like, like, as if you're, like, Well, that's a motif, actually, throughout the whole film for her her ex-boyfriend, Craig, because the whole thing about Craig is that he... 
they dated briefly, and then she was breaking up with him at a bar. He got upset. He got in a fight with a guy, and he accidentally killed him, so he went to prison. And so yeah. now he is on parole, and he's out, which is, like, you know, the thing that makes him scary is that he's a killer, and he's out on parole, and, you know, he's yeah. coming for her. So the whole movie, he's framed in those carts to look like bars around him. So, like, that opening shot through the cart is him putting groceries in, because then you see him later do it. And then there's a point where she's telling the story about him being in jail and it like cuts and they, like it frames him the same way with the bars. And then at the end when he gets like, when she stabs him in the neck and you think the first time that he's dead, he falls into the cart and he's again framed with the bars in front of him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, That's so like, fun. I feel like they really spend a lot of time and it's like very like intricate, like purposeful shots, which I really appreciate. Even though like, Yes, I think the script could have been stronger. I think visually they really do a lot to, like, have these little motifs and these little character things, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and as I brought up earlier, there's one where, like, um, what's her name? Jesus. Uh, uh, Linda, like, is on the phone talking to, presumably, like, someone, like, her boyfriend or her brother, some guy, um, and the shot is, like, you looking up as if you were inside the phone, like, through the rotary dial. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one where, like, a doorknob is turning and the camera moves as the doorknob's turning as if you're on the doorknob. Like, stuff like that where it's just, like, yeah, it's not, like, oh, my God, how do they ever figure out how to do that? But, like, it's, like, fun. It's, like, stuff you don't see a lot of the times. Um, They have a couple cuts where she, like, is sweeping and when she, like, pushes the broom across the floor, that's, like, the swipe for the camera to, like, switch to the next shot. There's one that, like, cracked my ass up, though, because it was so bad, which was... There's a scene where Craig and Bill are outside and he like catches him like spying on her and Craig hits Bill in the head with a hammer and it makes this like really like boing sound and then Bill like flies into the air and then it cuts to a sack of potatoes just like slamming Stop. on the ground. <laughs> and I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so stupid. Throwing like a sack of potatoes. I love it. Um, there's a reason I was bringing this up. Um, but yes, so the shots and definitely like the kills for sure are easily, like, what makes this movie, like, worth watching at least one time. Um, There's something else I was going to say. But I think kind of going back around again to the whole, like, the characters and the buildup of time with them, and specifically, as we said, like, our connection to it having, like, worked in any place. I think anyone that's worked anywhere, if you've been lucky enough to work somewhere, even if the job sucked where you felt like you had a work family, you'll relate to this to some extent. Um, Where, like, yeah, even though I was like, I don't, really relate to these characters specifically because there's not a lot of personality um I think having that experience in my own life did help me in a sense when that time came around like stuff was happening because of course in my head I'm like and we I think we talked about this in our at least it must have been our demons episode we might have talked about it multiple times about like if we had either shot one or lived one like a horror movie at the theater and like what that would be like so of course in my head I'm like like if, if it was our Kendall family, like, in this movie, like, who would be doing what job? And, like, how would they get killed? Not that I'm wanting any of them dead. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that heightened it for me. But it's one of those things where it's, like, but I'm bringing that myself to the yeah. movie. That isn't necessarily, like, any work the movie is doing. That's a good point. I didn't really think about it like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in a sense, then, yeah. I mean, our experiences are definitely going to be different viewing it than somebody who doesn't have that to, like, yeah. pull from. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I guess in a way that is kind of not a failure of the film, but like, yeah, if you don't have that kind of already established nostalgia for that kind of like experience and working that kind of job, yeah. then watching this is just you're going to be at, a, at like a zero and you're going to 
maybe not really care as much or not really understand the dynamics because it isn't really fleshed out super well. I also had such a, they didn't really mention that they were night crew until the end of the movie the first time I watched it. And I was irritated because I was like, what kind of fucking shift is this? In what shift are you on register and then staying overnight to stock? That's a weird shift. Also, well, there's a to not tell also... them that they're going to close the store and like, oh, actually your shift tonight is um, discounting everything because we're closing up forever. You should probably tell them that ahead of time. Yeah, it's it's messy. Well, then like it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, that's the reality. Like shit closes and it's just like whatever. And no matter how long you work there, where it is just like the one manager who's like the one that wants to sell it is like, you know, like, yeah, like and like at this date you won't have jobs here anymore. And it's just like these people that have probably worked here and it's their only job. Like mm-hmm. and even saying they're all a dedicated crew. Like that blows so fucking hard. And then of course, um, Bill, the crazy manager that we find out, um, who's like you know very sweet at the beginning, like we're gonna write you all like the best recommendations, blah blah. And I'm like that's very kind. And like you know, and then he goes on his first of many I feel like spiels where he's like I don't want to sell the store like it's not me like I own 49% he owns 51 so mm-hmm. like I have to do what he says um but yeah I did I really really felt for them like on top of like feeling like I believe them what without even without personality I believe them as co-workers um in that moment when they get told and they're all like sitting at the register together like I really liked that moment because it was like that was, like, the one time, I guess, other than, like, I don't even know if they're all there when they're in the break room later and Bill's telling that story about the head on the highway mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but that's, like, the one time when everyone is all together, you see the little family, and you have this moment with them where they all are, like, getting devastated. They're like, what? And, like, it's clear through dialogue that honestly is doesn't feel, like, heavy-handed. It's not like, yes, and because you've all worked here for the last ten years each, and this is your only job, like, nothing like that. They're mm-hmm. like, you're a dedicated staff, We, you know. That's all you need to say for me to be, like, cool. So these people, like, this job matters to them, at the very least, because, like, they've been here long enough. Um, I felt sad. And it reminded me, even though the Kendall did not close and I didn't have to leave, but, like, when I did leave because I was moving out of Boston back to New York, like, that sense of, like, wait, all the all the fun's going to be gone? I'm not mm-hmm. going to see my friends anymore? <gasps> Bitch! <laughs> I was getting emotional watching Intruder from 1989. Yeah, and I think that's really why I like it so much because it does, like, yeah. I am nostalgic for that time in my life because I've never had a job like that and I probably will never have a job like that again. And so anytime I get to, like, see even a glimpse of, like, that on film, especially in the horror genre, I think it's really fun. This is a movie that, while, yes, I've definitely been pointing out a lot of the flaws I feel that it has and I wouldn't say that it's by any means that I, like, I love this movie, but... This would be a movie that I would very much willingly watch again if we had, like, a Kendall gang reunion. And we were, Mm -hmm. like, either if it was back at the theater or somewhere else where we could watch it and be, like, we're going to do a screening of Intruder. I feel like it would be so fun because everyone collectively would be having this experience and we'd all be together. And And then we could name who everyone was. Fuck. I'm about to get emotional. We'll have to plan that at some point. Literally. Um, On top of the 3,000 other things I feel like I want to plan with the Kendall gang. I know. Well, that kind of brings into something else I want to talk about, which is um, something that both you and I have spoken about on this podcast before, and it's something that we both really love, which Mm -hmm. is when horror movies utilize the setting in their kills. Because we've talked about it with the slam, Sorority Babes and Slime Ball Bullorama episode, where like... They did a couple things bowling alley-wise, but, like, overall, it was they kind of They dropped the ball, no pun intended, <sighs> for sure. They sure fucking did. 
Um, and like sleepaway camp is just like a stick half the time. Like well, in the later ones, yeah. Yes, but I think maybe why I like this movie so much is because it really, really heavily focuses on like every element of a grocery store. Like all the kills are relevant to the fact that it's a grocery store. There's the office kill. There's the fucking box smashing. There's the deli slicer. There's like so many that are specific, like things that you, if you were like name something from a grocery store, those are something that maybe you would name. And like the box smashing one made me think of Superstore because they always like oh, have that rip Superstore. I love. Superstore. Uh, I know they always have scenes like with that box smasher, and I'm always like stressed out about it. So I, I was know. like, oh my with god, my it's king Marcus. Back. I love Marcus. <laughs> um, can't go into can't go down that road. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking because like. Sleepaway camp, I feel like there have been, like, because now we've done three and some of them mixed together in my head, where I'm like, I feel like there were ones where I was like, I'm proud of them. They really utilized <laughs> the, the setting. And, and, yeah, and I feel like the second one to a certain degree. But then, like, yeah, the third one, I'm like, I'm disappointed in y'all. What was this? Uh, with the fucking stick. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, yes, you're absolutely right that we both really appreciate. I'm like, if you're going to have a fun setting, like, use it. I think I've talked about it. We haven't talked about the movie on the podcast, but I think I might have made mention of when I watched Toby Hooper's uh, – funhouse mm-hmm. um where i was like you're at like a state fair whatever the fuck it was and i was like and then you're in a funhouse and i was just like i don't know overall i felt like i was like we're not using this setting to its full potential like mm-hmm. i want some crazy like fair horror shit um we didn't get it um which is why i was like wah, wah. but here yes what i will say is like if it was a little campier as i possibly suggested earlier which it doesn't have to be. I think we would have, because a lot of it, as you're saying, yes, it is all grocery store kills. A lot of it is, like, the back room type shit. Mm-hmm. Like, shit you're not going to see in the aisles. Like, it is just, like, the deli slicer, the meat hook, the box crusher, the office for the managers. Like, so as, like, if you're just a grocery store patron who doesn't work in a grocery store, mm-hmm. like, those aren't things that you're going to see in the aisle. Like, I don't know, like, maybe someone getting killed with a box of, like, check cereal. Um... <laughs> Where, like, yes, if they did that, I would also be happy, but that would definitely lean more campy. So, given the fact that it's not really a campy movie, I would say, overtly, that, yes, they really do utilize the setting well. Because even I was thinking, there's at least two, maybe three, but, like, kills where it's like, oh, I've got a big knife. Where, mm-hmm. like, that to a certain degree is like, okay, like, sure, there's knives in a grocery store, especially with, like, the deli and all that shit. But, like, is that specific? But they're really good because, like, the one is with Ted Raimi, and then there's, like, a reveal when he drops, like, a sign about, like, be careful with the knives, and, like, that's really fun. And then, um, you know the fucking names, I wrote it down, um, fucking Tim. Mm -hmm. When he gets killed, it's, like, a knife through the stomach, which at first you're like, "Mm, okay, but he gets knifed into, like, a pack of, like, beer that they've, Mm -hmm. like, stocked in the back. So, of course, it, like, (laughs) like, explodes everywhere. So, like, even though, like, the weapon is not, like, grocery store specific. The way the kill is executed still comes back around to, like, being grocery store. Um, yeah, and, and even beyond that, they, after the kills, when, the, like, the killer positions body parts, like, he has a hand that he has cellophaned into, like, it's a package yeah. piece of steak. There's, when, after he kills Dave and he's, like, sliced his head and then, like, kind of rotated part of it so it's not quite lined up and then he stocks it with all the beer so it's just, like, like it's another fucking six-pack in there. I think that's really fun. They also utilize that, um, like, conveyor belt yeah. thing. And they, like, I don't know which person it was, but he, like, cuts him down the center and, like, sticks him in a barrel at the bottom of it and says, half off, which I thought was really funny. Like, yeah, I think it's just, like, layers upon layers of 
references to the setting. And to me, that makes it feel more like a love project and like something that they really spent a lot of time thinking about and like tweaking and editing and fixing so that it could be like the most specific it could possibly be instead of just like, oh, I stabbed you in the stomach. They're like, what can we add to this to make it better? If I got to shoot in an actual grocery store, you better fucking take full advantage of like having that grocery store. I mean, we just talked about Superstore, which is in no way a horror film, but it takes place in like a super grocery store essentially. And they Mm -hmm. shot it in an actual grocery store and like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that. Like, I don't want to say like, and if they didn't do that, the show would have been bad. But like, obviously, if they were doing it on like more of like a built set, they probably wouldn't restricted. Where like, they had so many funny bits where it'd be like the, the like between the scenes, it's just like a customer in an aisle doing something so fucking stupid and ridiculous mm-hmm. that like they can do because they have the whole space and every available aisle in the grocery store. It's yeah, if you have the ability, if you're given it, why would you waste the potential? But like, yeah, even some other ones like there's a, a severed hand in the lobster tank. Mm-hmm. That's fun and then the conveyor belt thing you're talking about in the end when um little miss jennifer is running around and she's like finding all the bodies i think it might be right after she finds the like body slice and it's like half off which is great she goes to like the other end of the conveyor belt or whatever and here comes like ted baby dead but then like because he's like the vegetable guy or like the slicing dude whatever the fuck he's like produce gel or whatever Mm -hmm. um She's, like, he, like, comes down, and he's dead. She's, like, oh, my God. And then his body goes back up, but, like, the jolt and the thing going back up, like, shakes his body, and you see that he's, like, cut into all different, like, pieces, which was so fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, in both the execution of the kills and then, like, how the bodies are staged and used post-mortem, like, very much utilize a grocery store setting, which, say it once, say it again, say it a million times – is very appreciated by us here. Absolutely. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about, also, this is a quick thing, I made note, I love the opening credits of this movie um, because, like, it's this, like, green, like, fun font that's, like, intruder, and it's, like, Mm -hmm. over, like, a night sky with, like, a full moon, and I just got, like, huge, like, Goosebumps vibes from it with the score, too, which I had already seen the movie, so I already knew it was coming, but I was like... (laughs) I wish this was Goosebumps. <laughs> I fucking love Goosebumps, bitch. Anyways, um, what I was going to say is our uh, red herring, Craig, who is mm-hmm. the ex-boyfriend, ex-employee. Here's what I'll say. Craig, great red herring. Although, if we didn't have the fucking poster. Um, and if you want to be in, sure, you could still, if you want, if you were really trying to guess who it was, you could probably still guess it was What's-His-Name. If you've watched many Mm -hmm. horror movies because you're like, it's too easy if it's Craig. But, like, for what it is, I think it's well done. Um, But I fucking hate how, to a certain degree, they make Craig this, like, heroic figure in the end because we have to talk about it. Craig comes in fucking hot off the fucking streets. Like, fresh out of fucking jail. Whatever. Like, and at this point, we don't know why he was... We don't even necessarily know that he was in jail, but, like, whatever. We don't know anything about him. But he comes in, and he wants to talk to Jennifer, and you can tell immediately from her body language that she's like, I don't want anything to do with this. And, like, to, to, honestly, like, that played pretty real to me, like, that interaction. And, of course, like, right across from her is, like, Linda watching it happen and being like, are you okay? And, like, Craig is just, like, so aggressive to Linda, her friend, being like, shut the fuck up and leave us alone. Our huge red flag, like, mm-hmm. beyond red flag. And, like... It's the classic, like, one guy that doesn't take no for an answer, scary behavior, disgusting behavior, but then, like, 
he's also like the scary rageful ex-boyfriend who of course the first thought for any person in this situation is probably like especially if you're a woman um is okay so cool he's gonna kill me when I get off work like he's gonna be waiting in the parking lot to fucking kill me and that's the vibe they want you to get so like that is fine like that plays well because that is the reality and I was like and that adds to the horror and like even if it, they wanted to be the psych out like she kills by accident Craig being like gotcha you killed so many people and then the, the twist of like it wasn't him he's mm-hmm. a bad guy he's fucking dead but like it was this guy perfectly fine it's the fact that he then comes to and like aids her in the one final moment when she's like trapped in the phone booth against bill and then like it's the two of them together i mean sure lock craig up again i don't give a fuck but like together and we're supposed to to a degree be like no 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 don't lock both of them i mean yeah don't lock her up but like because they're together now it's like don't lock them up like they're innocent and i'm like he is not innocent he was literally terrorizing them he came in he started like physically assaulting people because like she was like leave me alone like he even grabs her arms at first which already no do not touch her like when she wants to leave and then like slaps her in the face which then leads to like continuous nosebleeds for her throughout the night so i was like mm, do not fucking bring craig back to be like he's gonna help her survive i don't care no craig can be dead i was fine with craig being dead even if he wasn't the killer great cool you know moment for her to maybe feel bad about that later because she's killed a man by accident what the fuck ever do not bring craig back and that was like one truly like story-wise the only thing that i was like i i don't know that i would say like angry about like i'm not gonna lose sleep about it but i was like bad stupid dumb didn't need it shouldn't have been there yeah i mean we would be remiss to not talk about that especially since like i feel like every episode we always find something in terms of just like the gender dynamics and sexual dynamics because we are watching it as women and it needs to be addressed so yeah i a thousand percent agree i think that craig's character is a piece of shit and i think i think we're meant to not like him but yeah i think when linda leaves in, like, the middle of the night to go home with, like, all her groceries, realistically, she would not go out of that place alone knowing that they locked him out and he could just be lurking outside. Like, oh, my God, no. That is just unrealistic behavior. And I don't want to – this is nothing against the female character. I think it is fully against the men who wrote the female character. I think that all of Jen's reactions to Craig are underwhelming and kind of ridiculous because – she is very, like, scared of him at first, and she's very hesitant and, like, whatever. But then later on, after the big fight has happened and they're all, like, out looking for him and she's calling, she's finally, like, getting through to the cops, and then he busts in on her, mm-hmm. that's the moment where you scream for your coworkers. You tell the cops, oh, he's here. Yeah. And she doesn't do anything. She just, like, lets him put the, like, take the phone, and she just stands there and, like, tries to resist him very, very weakly. And I'm like, you need I to mean, give this character say- more agency for me. She needs... She needs more agency. She needs a like stronger willpower and like she. I I just thought that she was like written as a very weak character. Okay, here's what I'm gonna say on that. Um, because I don't fully agree, but I don't fully disagree. Okay, I think the issue comes back to overall for her character, no personality. So when the only personality we get is, yeah, kind of like doing nothing, being kind of like abused fully by this guy emotionally, physically, whatever. There's a frustration. There's like, well, Jesus. She's our final girl, and, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. If she had personality, I don't know. Like, yes, I think as female-identifying people that, like, 
who get put in situations or could be put in situations like that, we want her to fight. We want her to be like, fuck you, have some agency. Mm -hmm. But I do think there is a reality because also, like, based on even just the sto one story she's telling us, like, he got so rageful when I wanted to break up, he murdered somebody. Mm -hmm. That, like, there was possibility for, like, past physical abuse there. That, like, yeah, like, in a scene when she's on the phone, like, I'm sure shaken up, he comes in, there's that moment of, like, yeah, I'm sure for some people in that situation, they would freeze. They'd be like, uh, and there's, like, the fear of, like, even if I tell the police he's right here, they're not going to get here in the next 10 seconds. He could beat the living life out of me. Because also none of my coworkers are in like 10 feet of me right now. So I'll give them that. I think the issue is because there's no other personality with her. Like there's nothing else going on aside from like, this girl is scared of her ex-boyfriend. Valid. Okay. Is there anything else about this person? Does she have any other personality traits? They didn't bother to write any of that for her. Her other like, personality trait is that she has a crush on Dave. Literally, yes. Yeah. I think I just needed, like, I don't need her to be, like, immediately, like, fighting him off and being yeah. the strong woman because, yeah, that the reality of it is that she is scared and she is, you know, she's afraid of this man and she will freeze. But I need a little bit more than what they give. It's, it, like, she just comes across at times, like, giving absolutely nothing. And I'm like, I need a little bit more from you. But, yeah, at the end, for them to have him kind of, like, come back and almost be this like hero figure is also ridiculous yeah. i thought because like she stabs him and you're like okay good bye and then he comes back and he's not dead and he's telling her like listen i didn't like it's bill he's killed everybody i snuck in through the bathroom window that's how we're gonna get out of here and then bill comes in beats this man with a fucking decapitated head and she to her credit does not waste a fucking second for this man. She goes, okay, and she takes off towards the bathroom so that she can escape. And I loved that because I was like, e like this man is a predator and this man is a murderer and he's awful and he's abusive and we hate him. And he's so infatuated with her that he is still trying to help her and she does not want anything to do with him. So she's yeah. not going to help him. She's going to fucking save herself. And if that had ended there of like, he maybe had, like, a slight, tiny redeeming moment of, like, helping her escape and then dying. I could have been okay with it. I would have been, like, Yeah, like, okay. kind of just being, like, giving this sliver of information where, like, yeah. And then we see in her reaction, like, I'm not thanking you on my knees. Like, exactly. I'm not, like, oh, like, I have to help that's you. That's the least like, you could cool, do for peace, me. Bye. bye. Yeah. But, like, having him not die in the end, kind of, like, standing there with her when the mm -hmm. cops arrive, you're, like, absolutely not. Especially when the original reason the cops were called was because of him. Yeah, I just think, like, the ending in general also just doesn't logically make a lot of sense. I think it really plays into the whole, like, I mean, they have two different uh, sets of cops. I think the first set of cops absolutely play into the whole trope of, like, the bumbling old idiot cop, which is funny and, you know, it does its thing where, like, he can't, yeah. like, tell what his card is. He's like, oh, this is my card. No. And then the second group is the, like, you know, fucking attack and abuse first and then maybe later they, on like, realize. They, slam her fucking oh, yeah. into the cop. They're abusive. like, we didn't do it. She's not even doing anything. She's like, we didn't do it. He's like, shut the fuck up. And like yeah, slams I mean, her head into the car. And that is the other kind of like image that we yeah. have with the police, which unfortunately is very realistic. Um, and it's incredibly frustrating. And I think it was meant to be frustrating. But like logically, it does not make sense because like you said, she is the one that has called the cops multiple times. Like all they have to do is look into it for two seconds and they'll see that she had nothing to do with it. So I do not believe at the end of the day that she has gone to prison for this yeah. in any way. Um, so I think ending it on that kind of note of like, oh, she got, her and him are going to go to prison now. Like, no, they're not. He might. She's not. 
And I think, and as we talked about before, we don't have any problem with, like, a sad ending or a quote-unquote, like... No, I love a, a bad a ending. unfortunate ending, yeah, for the characters. And I wouldn't even let it slide like you're saying. Like, I would have been like, yeah, maybe it logically it's, like, down the line. She's actually not going to go to prison, but whatever. I think it's, yeah, as you're saying, like, yes, cops like this, such a reality. Like, we all fucking know. Um, But watching a movie, I'm like, especially a movie like this, where I'm like, I, I don't need or want to see like it just like yeah it makes you angry watching it i'm like they won't listen at all like they literally will just not listen they'll listen to the guy that's like dead in a phone booth on the last second of life like everything he says golden Mm -hmm. the truth they won't listen to these two people who are like waiting for the cops to show up like you don't think if they murdered everyone they would at least attempt to get out and get away they're like you're right they're like do 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 like won't listen to a word they say where it's like even if somehow through this like the cops showing up they still were like we think it's you guys. Fine. It's the way that it's played, like, yeah, like, so kind of, like, angry and aggressive, like, you pieces of shit, bang, 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 head on the roof, like, shut the fuck up, like, immediately, like, like really roughly, like, putting their arms mm-hmm. behind their backs, where I was like, I don't care about the unfortunate ending, like, I just don't need all that, like, I don't need to see all that, not because it's not the reality, because it is the reality, I get it, it's just, like, in all movies, like, Intruder, 1989, like, a supermarket slasher, like, I don't need, like, this, like, prolonged, like, police brutality thing at the end it felt like a weird way to end the movie it really did because it's like a fun movie i mean yes it's not campy but like it's a supermarket slasher so for them to like and they it's not like the cops show up immediately like get on the ground and then it's like credits start rolling and it's like oh no they're gonna get arrested like they play out the whole scene of like the cops like coughing them everything and i was like once again like this could have ended like 10 minutes ago like stop and that's Bruce Campbell's character. Like, if you're going to give yeah. Bruce Campbell a role, don't have him be, like, the piece of shit cop. Like, give him something fun to do. Also, fun fact, Scott Spiegel has one very, very – who's the director and writer yeah. – has one very brief moment as the bread delivery man who gets immediately killed and has no lines. Oh, yeah. Is he the one he's like, killed at the door after she – Yeah, and then, like, yeah. he has, like, the blood that, like, goes onto the window, and then when he slides down, um, the killer's face is, like, shrouded in, like, the red light – yeah it's cool yeah all right well after we got all that out of our system um it's time to get to the best part of the episode which is the q and slay (laughs) all right mama i would like you i'm gonna start off with with the number one the the one that i think we're gonna have the most to talk about okay what is your favorite kill or moment of practical effect if you have multiple i feel like there's so much to talk about that there's no way you can take all the things that I would want to talk about, so feel free to name as many as you want. I'll say one, and then I'll let you go, and okay. maybe we can volley back and forth if we don't. If one of the ones we didn't touch upon was touch upon. Sure. The one I will say I think is my favorite, and I brought it up earlier, is um, – oh, actually, I didn't bring it up earlier. I forgot about that because I had the one I was going to do, and then this one happened after, and I was like, oh, no, no, this one. <laughs> I kept Which doing is, that. I, like, wrote a bunch down, and then was like, but wait, yeah. but this one, but wait, this one. <laughs> was Dave's death. So Dave is the boy in the supermarket that um, Jennifer has a crush on. Um, for a series of events, and, like, it's kind of prolonged because, like, he um, thinks someone is, like, I can't remember who, Bub or somebody. You know, they're all interchangeable. He's looking for somebody. And he's like, oh, you're fucking around. And he, like, goes up to, like, the upstairs storage first where they keep all the holiday shit. And he finds the other manager who's been, like, stabbed in the eye, somehow still alive. And it's this awful moment of, like, Oh my god, blah, blah. And something about this entire death sequence is the fact that, like, Dave is, like, 
it's not a feminine scream, but like as we've talked about before, in I think probably in our Nightmare episode with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street too, like men don't get to scream, like fully just like scream a lot. I'm not gonna gender screams, but like they just don't. And he was like fully doing it. He's freaking the fuck out, and then it all culminates where he like comes back down the ladder. He's like his boss is like, please help me, please help me. He's like, get the fuck away from me. He runs down. And then we don't see the killer, but it's, like, a POV killer shot where they, like, he they, he has knocks on the ground or something. And then he's dragged, like, legs spread eagle. Like, presumably the killer is holding each ankle and just pulling him on the floor toward him and something else. And the whole time he's on the floor, he is, like, fully, like, flailing and screaming. And it's so funny. I was loving every second of it and on top of that like when that was happening before we got to the kill I was like no this is the one I'm doing this one this is so fun <laughs> and then he gets an awesome practical kill where um I, it's another slicer it's not like uh the it's regular, a meat slicer like, it's a meat slicer but it's not like the deli meat slicer okay. where it like goes back and forth because it's like more of like a saw kind of thing mm. so it's probably like big chunks of meat but it's a fucking meat slicer of some sort he puts his head on it and of course he's like ah screaming and then we see with these fun Greg Nicotero like practical effects like the head go through the saw and it's like chunky and bloody and meaty and it just saws him right across and then obviously later we see his head propped up slightly askew the two halves with like the beer um I really really like that one because of just like how long he drew out that like dragging the body (laughs) and then a fun practical effect at the end it's like pot of gold at the end of the rainbow um so that's mine that's so fun. Yeah, there's that's a great one because, like, even they cut away at one point when he's cutting in his head and you could just see, like, the bits of meat falling off of him yeah. down to, like, where the meat would, like, accumulate if you were, like, slicing deli meat. Um, but, yeah, and I think that on the poster you have, like, his head that's, like, slightly oh, mismatched yeah. like and it's really fun. Out, like, yeah, I love that. And I, I, love, I love that you brought up the, the scream, too, because I just read um, – I'm, like, very behind in my Fangoria's, but I was just reading an article recently about – the defeminization of the male scream in horror. And it's so true because so often when men scream in horror, it has to be this like deep guttural like grunting to like show that even in death you're so masculine. Why? If anybody, regardless of gender, is in danger of their life, it's going to just be a primitive scream, which is going to probably be high-pitched, which would be associated with being feminine. So I don't see why it needs to be anything other than that. So I love that. Yeah, and I even like caught myself almost doing it just talking about it now where it's just like because it's so ingrained in us that like yeah that high-pitched scream is feminine that like even though I'm not mocking him for screaming that way like I was like oh a feminine-ass scream it's like no it's just a scream like but because we don't see it say it's feminine is because they only let women on film like scream that way yeah because we don't see it it like comes across as comical because it's not what we like associate with men screaming in film which is ridiculous yeah, it's so dumb. Um, my the one I'm gonna go with. Um, I don't. It's not my favorite in terms of practical effects because I think there's a lot of really great practical stuff. But I think overall, as like a kill, it's my favorite, which is the first one of the film. It is the um, head owner manager man named Danny. He mm-hmm. he te- doesn't technically die in this scene, but you think at the time that he has died and he dies later yeah. on. Um, what I really like about it in general is that. For me, he is the most deserving of the deaths because he is, like, the piece of shit owner who, like, is, cut, like, laying all these people off, who actively, like, doesn't want to go look at the, like, what the girls need when they, like, press the help button at the beginning. Yeah, and, like, that was fucked up. Like, he's, he sucks. Like, I'm okay with him dying. So, that in general, like, it was the most satisfying for me. But I really like the way that they filmed it because 
the way that he dies, and like we said, there's a, it's in the manager's office, which like, how are you going to kill somebody in a manager's office? Yeah. Well, every time that we've seen him up until this point, he is sitting at his desk, he is going over contracts, he's crunching numbers, and he has one of those little spikes that people use at like restaurants and in offices to like throw receipts on and like spike them down. So he gets grabbed and his head is pushed towards the spike and his eye is impaled in the spike. But it cuts away before you see anything and then you see like blood dripping down. So like you haven't seen any practical effects yet in the film. So both times I watched it, I was like, oh, they cut away from the kill. I forgot. And then they immediately cut back to like a practical head on the spike. And it's just, it was so jarring to me because I didn't expect them to show it because they cut away from it that I was like, oh my God. Yes, King. I love that. And then once Yes, King, get your eye stabbed. (laughs) Once his head is like on there, his like body is spasming, so his hand is like moving, and he's still like doing fucking accounting on the on the calculator, and it's still like printing out. And I was like, even in death, this motherfucker is crunching the numbers. Live and then my father. Oh my does. god, this is gonna be me? Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> and then even after that, uh, a lamp has fallen over in the commotion, and so all of the blood that is draining out of him is falling on the lamp and the light bulb, so that is creating this, like, red glow, which is very giallo, very bisexual lighting. So, like, mm. visually, I really enjoyed that. And then that comes into play later when Randy can see the light shining through the office, like, keyhole. I just thought that, like, overall, it was just, like, very fun, very creative way to, like, you could just kill him with, like, anything. But they, like, yeah. again, with all the kills, they really draw it out. Yeah. I really yeah. like that one. Um... I guess another one I'll bring up, I brought, this is the one I brought up earlier, was um, Tim's death when he gets stabbed. Um, Because, as I said, like, it is a knife, but, like, he gets stabbed into, like, a fucking, like, six-pack or honestly bigger of, like, beer. And it's, because, and at first I didn't even realize that he was getting stabbed in the beer because the blood, like, Mm -hmm. explodes at him. I was like, okay, that's silly. Like, who the hell (laughs) does that? And I was like, oh, it's because, like, it's mixed with, like, the exploding beer behind him. And there's a musical sting that they use then, and they use it a couple other times. I wish I remembered at the top of my head, but it's, like, it's one that, like, I feel like they use this sting, like, in Spongebob all the time. Where it's, like, <laughs> dude, like, I, fuck, I'm gonna have to, like, pull it up later to listen to it, but it's, like, do 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 Like, it's, like, very much, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, and part of me was, like, did it originate here? Or is this, like, some, like, stock sound that they were, like, we have no money, just fucking take this shit. Because um, they use it, like, two more times after this, but, like, that sound, which, of course, I mean, my brain is, like, Spongebob, Spongebob. <laughs> and it's just, like, this guy impaled and, like, beer blood spewing mm-hmm. everywhere. I was like, you know, that's nice. You don't I see do that like often. That. I like that. Similarly, uh, one other thing I want to mention before we move on is, um, you talked about it briefly, is Produce Joe's death. Because, yes. again, even though his death is just with a knife, you get that little bit at the end after when he falls and you see the sign. But what I really liked about his death, again, is the way that they shot it because Protoss Joe has no lines. He never speaks in this film. He's always listening to his fucking, like, I think he does. In. He has, like, a one line when someone, like, asks oh, him something. Oh, you're right. He's, where he says he, like, beat up Craig yeah, one yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, You're right. He does have As one if. scene where he speaks. Yeah. And then the rest of the time you see him, he's listening to his fucking, like, headphones, his, like, old-fashioned fucking 80s headphones, and, like, jamming and just, like... He's just feeling it. He's having a good time on his night shift, cutting up food. And so his death scene is him hacking at something with a butcher knife. And you can't see what he's cutting. But he's, like, having a hard time with it. So he pulls it back full force over his head and then slams it down. And they do that a few times. And then they cut to just, like, the knife up in the air behind him and then him slamming it. And they do that twice. And you're like, okay, whatever. 
waiting for something to happen, waiting for like a hand to grab his hand or something. And then they do it a third time. And then when it comes down, it's the killer putting the knife in the back of his head. Mm -hmm. And it's so surprising because they have done that repetition of like, he swings, he hits, he swings, he hits. So you're waiting for somebody to grab him and not for the knife swing to be into him. So I just thought it was like very, very smart. And something I'd never seen before. And I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that one. Well, yes. Mm. And then the fun part of that, beyond that, or to be mm-hmm. fun, is then they reverse the angle as his body, like, drops. So presumably you'd be, like, where the killer is standing behind mm-hmm. him. And he drops and there's a sign right in front of his station that's, like, something like, be careful with the knives. Like, they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Oh, like we said, very, very good kills. Very good practical effects. Worth it just for that, I think. All right, uh, I will ask you then. Okay. What's your favorite line from the movie? All right, you got to bear with me here because it is um. Okay. It's a bit. It's a. It's a lot. It's convoluted. <laughs> um, it's just a lot of lines. Um. Okay. And it's you're not reading necess- like you're reading an entire scene from the script. Let me verbatim read you this entire scene. I wrote Bitch. It down. <laughs> um. Okay. Well. Where did I put it? Okay. Yes. Because I, I had a second line, but it's so stupid and not relevant anymore because I saw this line and I was like, no, this is it. This whole sequence is it. Okay. And I'm going to do my best impression and it's not going to be good. Oh, wow. I'm getting a front row seat to the theater, y'all. My favorite line uh, is kind of a little bit of a monologue and it comes from Bub right before his death. <laughs> I cannot wait for the bum impression. You have no fucking idea. Now, the reason that I love this sequence of lines is for a few reasons. One, this is the first thing that this actor has ever acted in. He's gone on to do other things. No, he's gone on to do other things, but this is his first. And the cadence with which he speaks is so weird. And like, I would find, I would say that he is the campiest part of the movie because like, there's a scene where he's talking about like hitting someone in the head with a blender and it's like really funny. And he kind of gives me, like, Owen Wilson a little bit, like, the way he speaks. Like, Owen Wilson, if, like, Owen Wilson was in Dazed and Confused. Well, I, was, I showed Greg, and he was like, honestly, it's giving Jujubee doing a Cher impression. Because, uh, <laughs> and she's like, oh, hi, I'm Cher. Like, that's, that's what yeah. it's giving. Um, and this scene is, he is, like, you know, he's doing his job. He's smashing some boxes. And when the box smasher lifts up he sees the shadowed killer and he thinks it's tim and so he mm-hmm. starts trying to talk to tim now what i love the most is the amount of times he says the name tim yeah i made mention of that i was like damn he says tim every line so <clears throat> here we go he says these things and then by the time the dialogue ends he has come around to find tim who is now dead but he's like upright and he doesn't realize that he's dead yeah and that's that's where the the line ends, but he sees it and he goes, let me take some water. Okay. Wow. I'm really, it's going to be horrible. Do not get your hopes up. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to see the film girl. Okay. I'm going to say, oh, hi, it's Cher. Okay. He goes, Tim, Tim, I know it's you. Very funny, Tim. Tim, this isn't amusing, Tim. Think you're going to give Bub another wedgie? Well, I think not because I had the foresight not to wear any underwear, Tim. And then he walks around and he goes, Oh, wow, it's Tim. What a surprise. I watched that scene. Which, that was good. Thank you. (laughs) I was cracking the fuck up. Tim? Oh, wow, it's Tim. Ugh, kills me. I love it. 
best oh, scene. So good. I'm in the so movie. glad you brought up Bub because I had made a, a note about like Louis just says Bub's voice. <laughs> it's I was so like, we gotta weird. talk about that. Because well, the first time I made real note of it is when um is it Tim? No. It's Dave is in the aisle. He's loading up the mm-hmm. laundry detergent and it keeps falling and clearly it's like someone is hitting it. So mm-hmm. he looks over, he's like, cut it out, and it's uh Bub. And I I'd have to hear the, the actual voice to be able to imitate it. Wait, let me pause. Because <laughs> I need to do it now. Where the fuck is my shutter? Oh, yes, we're both gonna do bum impressions. We're gonna so. do bum impressions, guys. Vote. Tell us in the comments. Who I literally had to go. Oh hey, it's Cher to get into fucking. Hold on. Into the mode. <laughs> he goes. Um. Hey, Dave. Wait, fuck. He goes. Hey, Dave. Show me a cuddle. And then he's like, "You already have a cuddle." He's like, "Just let me have it." <laughs> And I was just like, is he okay? What the fuck is going on? Oh, God, I love Bob. Just let me have it. It just, like, felt like a step above, like, he was about to do, like, baby voice. Like, can I please have the cuddle, Dave? It's interesting that he has such different tones and cadences, because, like, when he's at the Smashing Machine, it's very Owen Wilson, very, Tim, wow, what are you doing, Tim? Yeah. Like, it's a very different vocal tone than what he did in that scene. I love it. Oh, Lord have mercy. Man of many talents. Good, good pick. Good pick for a line. Thank you. What is your favorite line? It's very boring, (laughs) comparably. Um, Because I was like... Sorry, I stole the show. Literally. um, It's going to seem like a really stupid line. I just kind of like how it, like... Here's what it is. It's near the end. It's Jennifer. She's fighting Bill. And she's gone under, the like, a car or some shit. And he, like, drags her out. And he doesn't see that she Mm -hmm. has a knife. Um... And he, like, has his, like, butcher knife, and he says something, like, like something stupid, like, I'm gonna butcher you, or what the fuck ever. <laughs> I don't fucking remember. And then, just fucking go with it, you guys. And she has this big-ass, like, Michael Myers knife, and she, like, stabs him through, like, the stomach. And the line is, suck on this! And she, like, stabs him, which is such a silly line, but I like it so much because, like, I, one, because it has no bearing on like that makes sense like Mm -hmm. the weapon she's using as like what like what is the play on words with like suck there and it's no other part of the night had anything to do with that so like usually in a line when they have like that like that buffy like one-liner when they're like beating somebody's ass like it's like a bit like it's a joke it's a play on something nothing to do with anything she's just like suck on this fucking knife and i was like yeah but I also just like, in general, when there are moments like that, when it's, like, our final girl saying something, to bring up a movie that everyone fucking hates and I love, which is the Friday the 13th remake. I like it. It's fun. I'm not gonna pretend like it's not. And this line, people fucking hate, and I know that it's stupid, but I think it's so fun, is at the end, which, <laughs> um, when, I'm probably gonna fuck, it, fuck up the line a little bit, but she, like, Jason is, like, b- being pulled into, like, the woodcutter with, like, the chain around his neck. And she says, like, something like, say hi to mommy, Jason. And, like, fucking, like, kicks him in. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Anyone complaining about that line doesn't know how to have fucking fun. Like, that's fun. Yeah, so, I think I think suck on this is really giving adios Consuela vibes. Oh, my God. Freaks. Like, Don't was, bring that back. But I think even more so than, like, I think in addition to her saying suck on this as if it is, like, of reference to something that's happened earlier he then just goes oh where'd you get that knife and that really made me laugh too because it's just kind of this like resigned defeat of like oh where'd you get that i'm dead now even if he's not dead once again to bring it back around really reaching here but because as we said like 
she ain't giving us a whole hell of a motherfucking lot in the personality department. That, yeah. like, even this one moment where it's, like, I wouldn't say saying suck on this is a real huge, like, personality <laughs> moment. But, like, I don't know. It's something. And I was, That's like, That's her okay. breakthrough. Yeah. I was, yeah. like, she's giving me something. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you must have had a difficult time with this since we just discussed heavily how nobody has personality. But yeah. who would be your partner in crime? Um, I went with Randy the Butcher. Um, obviously because, yes, it is Sam Raimi. Um, so I think that even if this character was played by somebody else – yeah. I, I'm not saying he has personality, but I think because just on the principle of it being played by Sam Raimi, it feels like there's a little bit of character there. Mm-hmm. I mean, his entrance is, like, when the big fight is happening originally with Craig in the store, and, like, all the guys in the store are, like, piling up on Craig, and fucking Randy comes around the corner. He's, like, drinking a beer or some shit, and mm-hmm. he's like, hey, guys, what's going on? And immediately gets, like, ragdoll, like, fucked up by, like, Craig, like, just, like, thrown, like, and it is Sam Raimi, like thrown mm-hmm. into a display just like wrecked and I was like that's honestly what a killer entrance but I said he would be like my partner in crime because like in the context of like thinking about like Kendall Day type shit like our Kendall days um mm-hmm. and just like if I worked in this grocery store I'm like yeah like ideally I would have loved to be friends with the girls working there but like, they're not giving me a whole hell of a lot and I whatever where like Randy just is like kind of like chill and like cool and he's like the meat guy like, I'm like I'm sure he would like on the low, like, give me some free, like, deli slices to take home for some Sandies. Hell yes. And there's a moment when they're in the break room, um, and Bill is, like, telling them a story of his days as a volunteer firefighter. And he says something about, like, because someone brings up, like, fuck the cops and fuck the firefighters. He's like, I was a volunteer firefighter. And then Randy is, like, somebody's effectively he's like, why don't you tell us about that, Bill? Like, not that I actually want to know, but I know you're going to fucking do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. I That personality type where it's, like, kind of a little bit, like, yeah, whatever the fuck. Like, I can fuck with that uh, amongst all of this. So I definitely picked Randy. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of winners to pick here if you're trying to pick somebody to, like, stay alive with. Um, mm-hmm. It's either stay alive – or actually, no, it's not. It's either die or go to jail. Yeah, you don't have great options there. No. Um, I originally picked Dave because I think he's kind of a hunk. And okay. He, I mean, he's, like, the love interest. He's, like – very sweet to her. He, like, asks her out on the date and is, like... It, I thought he was, like, of the boys, like, the most dateable. Um, you're really, like, letting your Anya shine through this episode. You're doing impressions. <laughs> you're picking the cute boy. Well, don't worry, because I had picked Dave, but I'm oh, changing okay. it to be more on brand for myself. Because after that impression, I feel one with Bub. So <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. go with Bub. I'm just going to, like, really let it happen. And yeah. I feel like we would have a lot of fun. I feel like he probably seems like somebody who doesn't. See, I feel like if I was working at the grocery store, I would not really want to be with Bub because I take my job somewhat seriously at least. And I feel like he does not. And that might irritate me at times. But if I wanted to just like have fun with somebody, I think it's going to be Bub every time. Yes. And to clarify for our audience, when we say we take our job seriously, it's not like we're like those crazy people. Like if we were working in a superstore, superstore, or yes, yeah, a supermarket where we're like, this is my life. We are just at any job. We're the type of people where it's like we work hard and we do good work. Well, also like I, I was a manager at the theater and like yeah. I had a lot of responsibilities that I really like valued and cared about. And so, you know, I had my time where I just fucking hung around and didn't do anything. But at the end of the day, my shit got done. I ran that place. Real yes. good. And, yeah, it, it was frustrating when staff members would, like, blatantly be fucking around when I needed shit done. And I think that would – that's, like, Well, I think anyone can relate to that. Like, yeah. when you're, like, you're working on a closing shift with somebody somewhere and you're, like, you, we can't all leave until all the shit is done. And, like, you, everyone's pulled their weight except that one person. And you're, like, 
I don't care if we had like fun during the ship. Like I'm gonna beat your ass if you don't get this done because like you're keeping me from going home and getting my bed. Yeah, but I think I could like I think Bub would listen to me. So I picked Bub. Yeah. He's malleable in that way. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so I guess we're on to our OG questions. Yeah. All right, girl. I feel like I had to be very careful about this because I know I brought up earlier, like, demons. And I can't remember if when we did demons, if we were doing OG questions at that point. Maybe. Oh, my God. We might have the same question. I don't think we do. Okay. Okay. Um, because I was I was like, I almost went back and listened to be sure. But I was like, no, no. I'm positive I haven't done this question before. But once, as I said, I don't know if we had OG questions and demons. But I feel like we talked about this to some degree. Obviously, the whole thing about, like, what's theater and if we had a horror movie in a theater and blah, 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 blah. So it's not that. But it's similar. So obviously, as we talked about, like... The whole movie is a slasher set in a superstore, a supermarket, not mm-hmm. a superstore. Um, and there's not, I don't know if there's any others that are set in a supermarket uh, at all. And there's not, probably not a whole lot of horror movies set in a supermarket, which made me start thinking about, like, fun settings for horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question to you is, if there was to be, whether you're making it, what you can phrase it however you need to, if there was a workplace slasher, what would be, like, a fun, cool location that you would want to see because either it's, like, never been done before to your knowledge or, like, it has but, like, you think it can be done better slash, like, it has but it was, like, back, like, many, many years ago and we, we want an updated one. Like, what is, like, a fun setting that you think we should be harvesting for, like, fun slasher workplace material? That is a very good question. Okay. I have two answers, I think. Okay. Um, neither of them will be mine. I'm positive. So okay, because well, one is very specific, and then I and I, I feel like I have two main interests in my life, and I like my brain goes to both of them immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be work, but if we did like a school type thing, I would love to like be set at like a culinary school. I think that would be really fun. Interesting for like because okay. like I've taken a lot of like chocolate classes and like baking classes at like a culinary institute, and I think that setting is really cool. And I, I like, would it really... be an institute, would it, would it, would it work in a way where it's, like, a culinary institute where, like, people are, like, in a sense, like, going to college there, so they're, like, staying there, living there situation? Or would yeah, it be, like, I think so. just, like, a place where, like, people show up for whatever class they signed up for and whoever the unlucky ones that day are, they, you know? I guess they probably have to be living there for it to make the most sense, um, mm-hmm. which is why I have two answers, because maybe they're not super fleshed out. I just love okay. the idea of doing anything, like, culinary-based. I think that'd be yeah. really fun. Um, but it's very specific. There is a place in Massachusetts. Um, I think there might be like one or two others in the United States, but it's a Swedish company. It's called Bodaborg. And if you have never oh, yes, we've been to a Bodaborg, if, if you live anywhere near, um, God, what fucking city is it? Malden, Massachusetts. Um, there is a place called Bodaborg. And it's essentially, it's this really, really fun place. I'm obsessed with it. It's a huge like warehouse type location and it's essentially um like an american ninja warrior type place Mm. mixed with escape rooms so there's like 25 different themed rooms that you go in and some of them are mental some of them are physical and some of them are a combination of both and you have to you go in the first room it's like you have to be with three people and depending on if you like can figure out how to get out of that first room you like go into the second room and then it's just like it's really fun it's basically like you guide yourself through these escape rooms and the people that work there have the best time. They're always so fun. They always help you out. And I feel like doing maybe like an overnight for staff, like hanging out at Bodeborg and then like getting killed in these like big escape room type things would be mm. super cool. Yeah. 
um, the way that I'm like really thinking about these ideas. I'm like, this out. <laughs> um, well, first I was gonna say for your culinary one, I don't know if you've watched it yet. I haven't. I highly recommend to everyone. Um, the Bear that's on not. Hulu on FX. Only eight episodes. They're really good. The second to last episode, I believe it's called The Review. One of the best episodes of television I've seen in a very long time. It's so good. Um, but it made me think of that, where it's just like, now what if we were like working in like a kitchen like that, like behind chef, yes chef, yes chef, mm-hmm. like. Um, but, like, now people are getting sliced, um, in these, like, high stakes, like, we gotta get these fucking sandwiches made. High like, stakes. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. And then I like, yeah, the Bodeborg, like, overnight. I would say, like, if you, if it was, like, specifically, like, an obstacle course place, like, if you mm-hmm. took out the escape room elements, just because we have classic movies, like, mm-hmm. escape room, and escape room to tournament of champions. Um. And not the escape room, which is not a good film. No. Um, or... No is escape it? room. Is no escape. That's what it's called. I'm so sorry. Because yes. there's no um, escape and there's no escape room. There's two. Yes. And I just last night watched one, which is also called Escape Room, but it was from 2017. So not the same year as the good escape room movie. Girl, there are so many of them. And let me tell you, anyone that is not the escape room with um, the motherfucker that you think is a punchable face. Oh, he's so punchable. He's so punchable. In Alice's Mind, he's punchable, but he's in the good escape room movies. Yes. Um, Logan something. Yeah, them trying to get to these, like, big-ass obstacle courses, like, almost like some, like, when you were, like, at McDonald's as a kid and, like, the <laughs> gym type shit. Like, at night, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, mine originally was going to be, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, like, a mall. And I think I was drawn to a mall because of the fact that, like, I, for many years I worked in a mall and I was thinking, like, oh, you do it during, you know, like, maybe, like, holiday season when you kind of, like, work the longer hours and maybe have to, like, everyone in, in different stores in the mall has to, like, stay later at night to, like, do inventory and set shit up. But I definitely know that at some point on this podcast, we had a similar question or a similar discussion about malls and horror movies to some extent. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't want to do that again. And also, like, I know people will be like, there's so many horror movies in malls. But, like, honestly, recently, what was the last horror movie in a mall? Like, truly. The only horror – I would say the the Fear Street trilogy had a mall element. It did, yes. Um, But, like, nothing like – Not like Chopping Mall. Not like Chopping Mall, not like, what is the fucking zombie one that I, I'm having a huge breakdown of the dead? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's like, we're in the mall the whole time. Right. Mall culture is dying, you guys, and we got to bring it back. Um, I can't even I, I shook it. my head. I don't like the mall. Too many people. I like, like, no. I, I, I can't go on a mall tangent. Anyways. So what I decided on, mm-hmm. based on the honest experience that we had together with Kendall people, is I would like to see a slasher set at, like, a giant, like, mini golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, we went to one. It was a farm. It was a farm, but, like, they had, like, a bunch of different activities there. There was, like, batting cages. I broke an aluminum bat in half. And she sure all did. the boys. All the boys were on there. Little knees for me. Yeah, we um, tried to give it back to the people working, and they didn't know what to do. They were like, what? They let me keep it as a trophy, and I still have it to this day. Um, yes. And there was, like, go-karts, whatever. I'll say, they had a mini-golf course. And even though this place, like, had all these other things, this mini-golf fucking course was fucking huge. Um, and I just feel like that would be really fun, especially if you did it at, like, nighttime. And, like, mini-golf courses, listen, here's my thing on mini-golf courses. If your mini-golf course doesn't have a giant fucking skull on it, it's not good. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you drive by a yeah. mini-golf course and it has one of those giant, like, pirate skulls, I don't even mm-hmm. need the whole thing to be pirate-themed. Just put a fucking giant skull in there and I will show <laughs> up. Um, but I'm, like, imagining one where it's, like, maybe it's, like, the whole place is just, like, a mini-golf place and they have a huge outdoor course. Maybe also, because I love, like, sometimes, like, the indoor ones where they have, like, that, like, oh, yeah, the neon, lights and, like, bowling yeah. lane alley, like, carpeting and it's, like, the black light. Um, 
I think that could be a really fun. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with a mini golf course. That for, sounds great. Let's set would, a slasher on a mini golf course. I would absolutely watch that any day. And now I gotta put on my list of things to do. Write this mini golf course slasher <laughs> movie. So for my <sighs> question, um, so we've talked about this episode and just in general a lot how we really like films that use the setting properly. And I know that me and you have talked many times just personally about wanting to write or make a movie or a TV show or anything set at the theater that we worked in because, you know, so much potential there. So let's just imagine that you were able to make a film. Uh, You don't have to specifically have it be at the Kendall. Um, It can just be any theater that you want to make a movie Mm -hmm. in. What is a death scene or uh, an effect or something that you would really want to use and have in your film that is theater specific. Damn. We definitely have had many conversations about this. I, I, I was like, that's a tough time. question, but like she might already have something like stored because we've talked about it so many times. Um, I came up with an elaborate answer. <laughs> I think so for anyone, they're at most movie theaters, but I know that the kind of we like popped our shit fresh. It wasn't like the sure shit you get sometimes at like the AMC where it's like in a bag already. Um, and there was like a whole like so there's like a big popcorn holder fucking thing, and there was like a big popcorn kettle maker fucking shit that you put the fucking corn in, you put the oil in, whatever. It pops the corn. It's popping out. You spill it. Great. You made the popcorn. Um, so I'm imagining like our killer, like similar to I guess like the box crusher like mm-hmm. head getting squished thing in this movie with bub um where like the killer has somehow pa- trapped or pinned our fucking victim like where they're like i guess like at least their head or like their upper body is like over the lip so they're like hanging into the popcorn thing so maybe there's popcorn already in there so they're like that's just like 700 degrees and i'm imagining they don't even put kernels like they haven't even put, like, they prepped this kill. Like, they're like, I'll have somebody here by the time this is ready. They don't put kernels in, so there's no popcorn. It's just, like, bubbling oil. Ooh. And when it's like, oh, it's time to go. Because wasn't there, like, a light on it that was telling you, like, it was, like, ready or some shit? Or maybe I'm imagining that. Um, in my movie, there's going to be a light on yeah, that shit sure. that says it's ready. We're going to make some shit up. And it's like, oh, oil's ready. And then, whoosh, burning. And also very sleepaway camp, uh, the original. Yeah pouring this like boiling hot like oil on somebody where the sleepaway camp question rises like would it kill them but it's my slasher movie and yes it will it will singe them to the point of death uh and that's my pick i think that's a great pick because as at the end of the night when we would clean out the popper you would need to like put water and chemicals in it and then dump that scalding water into a trash bin and it was I mean, by the time you got there, we had a different popper, but the original popper that we had was so heavy, and it is, you have to do it in, like, one fast, confident, yeah. fluid motion, or you're going to burn the fuck out of yourself. It's very scary. So, like, or that would absolutely kill Or you jump it all over the fucking popper, and you have to clean that shit up, too. Oh, yeah, that's And it was too. just, like, let me out of this prison. Yeah. That's a great kill, because I definitely think it would kill somebody. It's very theater-specific. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that oil, that coconut oil, baby. She's going to burn your skin out. <laughs> Um, my answer is a little bit elaborate because I had time to think about it. Um, okay. it would be the first kill in my film and it would be set in the projection booth at of the course. Kendall. I knew you were going to do projection booth. Well, because the projection booth is the scariest place to yes. be because when I became a manager and I would like 
be the only person at the end of the night past midnight closing up and you have to walk the length of that length of the booth and it's dark because some of our lights were always like fucking out and there's like the emergency exit at the back it's very spooky you think you hear things you think you like see shit anyone could be hiding in there it's very spooky so I would have this film set back when we had actual film reels um because the way the film reels that Kendall specifically had were a little different than the usual ones. Greg helped me out with this answer also. He gave me his technical because he used to lace cheating, the films. Cheating, cheating. He used to lace the films up at uh, the other landmark theater. Um, so the way that they have the film, it's on these like three cylindrical like flat surfaces that are kind of like on top of each other with space in between that the film is then like laced through. So it's kind of exposed and like just like goes really fast. So it's kind of, if you could think about it like, an electric saw almost, just like spinning really fast. So my kill would be, the killer would be hiding in the projection booth because yeah. it's dark. We had all those standees everywhere so they could just like blend in with the standees. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. And then he would get the projectionist, put his throat up against the film and just slice it until he decapitated him. And then to alert everybody so the rest of the the cast in the film know that a murder has happened there is a glass window in front of every projector that you can lift out so you can like put your head into the auditorium and I like to imagine that my killer would then throw the decapitated head into the staff who are watching an overnight film and get hit on the head and be like what was that and then oh my god it's the projectionist head Ah!" and then that's how my film would start I love it that's how you're starting like you're wasting no time I'd have like 20 minutes of like these but even first are. kill, I feel like a lot of times these last movies, like first kill happens, but like you don't find that body until. Well, like I want my I want my later. my people to know it's happening, so everyone is immediately in chaos. That's fair. It does pose the issue though. Then like, wouldn't they all just leave? Like that's no, how you get them is yeah. by like being like nobody knows, so they're they're still lingering around. Yeah. And they can still get more bodies. Anyways, I'll fucking write this bitch. I don't give a fuck. I'm I just like the dramatic effect of opening that window because I used to always open the window and then like shout things out at like Christine. I know. Ugh, fun. Ugh, the good old days. Well, that wraps up the Q and slide. Oh wait, did I answer? Yes, the box. Yes, the way I blacked out. I was like, where am I? Um. Yes. So I won't forget. We have to rate the movie. Y'all know, I know y'all thought I was going to fucking do it. I'm not going to do it. I thought maybe. I almost did. I'll be honest. Um, So, Alex, on our genius, perfect, no alterations needed uh, rating system, what are you giving (laughs) Intruder? Um, I think that our discussion made me appreciate certain things more and made me look at other things in a, not a negative light, but in more of a critical light maybe, like in terms of characters' personalities and the, you know, Craig of it all. Um, but I'm going to, I think it kind of cancels each other out. So I'm going to stick with my original rating I gave it when I watched it, which is a three and a half, which is a, that dumb fucking idiot lacrosse player who lives next door. Nice. Nice. Um, I'm going solid dumb jock three. Cool. Um, because originally I had a little lower after my first viewing, which to be fair, I wasn't fully really paying attention. I was very distracted. Given that now, there was definitely things that I appreciated more because I actually watched them. And there were things that also probably I missed the first time, but I was like, yeah, that's not playing well for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we would both very much recommend at least a one-time viewing because, like, it's got both the Raimi brothers in it. 
Um, so that's really fun. As we said, special effects by Greg Nicotero, also really cool. There's great kills. They utilize the setting well. Um, some really fun shots. So just like watch it one time. It's not long. It's, it's so short, minutes. Yeah. So like just watch it once to say that you did. Um, and yeah, that is Intruder 1989. So that's it until next month. And if things go according to plan, which I think that they will, we will have some special guests for next month's episode. Um, and it'll be a very fun time. It's a movie I'm very excited about. Um, and we hope to all see you there for the September episode and for anything in between. Um, so as always, until next time, keep it creepy. Tim? creeps and thank you for listening to another episode of the girls who cried be horror we would not be able to make this podcast though completely on our own and we have some folks that we would love to thank um first and foremost if you've noticed we have amazing new artwork and we have to thank our friend raymond lowell who commissioned it for us uh you can follow him on instagram and see all his other amazing art at rb lowell uh who else alex uh we would love to thank yet again for another season our lovely friend nathan graham who made our beautiful introduction music um and he sings the girls who cried be horror um you can follow him at instant underscore grams like his name um and you can also check out his podcast with our other friend jonah uh called the commonwealth Yes, all good spooky content. And of course, if you can't get enough of us, we're on social media too. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, on Twitter at Girls Who Cried Be H. And if you really want to write us a whole novella, baby, you can send us an email at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror at gmail.com. We always want to hear your thoughts and opinions and your insight. Uh, And if you want to follow us individually on social media, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, I am at G-Way Forever. That is G-E-E-W-A-Y, number four, and then ever on Instagram. At agarity15 on Twitter. And uh, on Garrity on Letterboxd if you really want my uh, my film insight. Alex? Yeah, and if you want to check out the uh, three tweets and Instagram posts I do a year, you can check me out uh, yeah. at Alex Branley. Because I'm very basic on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd. It's all the same. I'm just Alex Bradley. <laughs> she makes it easy for you, folks. Yeah. She makes it easy for you. Um, but that's all we have for now. So we'll see you creeps next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The girls who cried be horror.